Chapter 19 Disaster Pedagogy of Serge Latouche, Faculté de droit, économie et gestion, Jean Monnet, Université Paris Sud. Denis de Rougemont, one of the early pioneers of ecology, wrote in 1977 I feel it coming. A series of disasters created through our diligent yet unconscious efforts. If they're big enough to wake up the world, but not enough to smash everything, I've called them learning experiences, the only ones able to overcome our inertia. De Rougemont, cited in Partant, 1979. Partant's idea expressed in their citation based on the popular concept that experience provides lessons, is both shockingly radical and fatalistic. At the same time, one might doubt its effectiveness. Yet, with the publication of Jean-Pierre Dupy's book For a Crystallizing Catastrophe, 2002, it has experienced a revival. Dictionaries define disasters as a sudden and fateful misfortune to a person Or people. An example of a disaster would include an accident that causes the death of many people, a rail or air disaster. Literally, this would be a decisive event that brings about a tragedy. The catastrophes or disasters that concern us here are those of the Anthropocene, that is, those generated by the dynamics of a complex system, the biosphere, in coevolution with human activity and altered by it. Chernobyl or Fukushima, but also climate change or the collapse of biodiversity. To bring about the decolonization of the imaginary needed to change the fatal path we are on, we can hardly rely on such disaster lessons. Yet, François Partin, guru of the French alternatives and the harbinger of the growth, counted on such threats for a jumpstart out of the madness of the productivist society. It is not by chance that he titled one of his books provocatively May the Crisis Deepen. In this 1978 book, he argued that a profound crisis would be the only way to prevent the self-destruction of humanity. Is this vision catastrophic? Worshippers of progress immediately accuse anyone who reflects on the dangers that threaten our civilization of pessimism. It's true that pedagogy of disaster was born in the course of discussions concerning nuclear apocalypse following the experience of the first atomic bombs. I think here particularly of the books of Karl Jaspers or Gunther Anders. It's also related to the thesis of collapse, a theme popularized by Chair Diamond, 2005, but already developed 20 years earlier by Joseph Tainter, 1988. A civilization disappears, according to Diamond, when it destroys its environment without being able to adapt to the new situation. Complex societies, for Tainter, tend to collapse because their strategies for obtaining energy are subject to the law of diminishing returns. 
disaster pedagogy falls in line with philosopher Hans Jonas' heuristics of fear, according to which it is better to lend an ear to the prophecy of misfortune than to that of happiness. 1990. He does not masochistically hope for a taste of the apocalypse, but precisely to ward it off. This is an alternative to the suicidal optimism of a politics of ostriches. It is this latter blissful and passive optimism that will lead us more certainly to disaster than an attitude of crystallizing catastrophe. In this, disaster pedagogy joins the more recent analysis of philosopher Jean-Pierre Dupuis. Isn't he also into a form of disaster pedagogy? Dupuis refers to Hans Jonas giving to his catastrophism a learning role. However, in his conception, it isn't the catastrophe itself that teaches, it is its anticipation. Dupuis proposed a method of governance for the technocrats, an experience of thought suggesting precaution in the face of major technological risk, especially nuclear risk. This disaster pedagogy aims to prevent the irreparable and, in particular, to prevent a collapse or final catastrophe. Neither of these two approaches expresses a wish for the worst. Both are intended to avert it. The first is based on experience and the shock experienced from warning crises, while the second wants to do without them. It is natural to wonder whether the lessons of a tragic experience such as Fukushima are actually useful. Naomi Klein, 2008, in her famous work The Shock Doctrine, The Rise of Disaster Capitalism, supports a vision radically opposed to that of a beneficial disaster. According to her, the neoliberal and neoconservative oligarchy takes advantage of disasters or provokes them to impose its solutions, which become disastrous for the lower classes but profitable in the short term for multinationals. Her book opens with the devastation of Louisiana by Hurricane Katrina and the calamitous management of the disaster by the Bush administration, destruction of the public school system, urban exclusion of the poor, unbridled speculation for reconstruction. Many other examples from September 11, 2001 to the war in Iraq are analyzed in her text and reinforce a very convincing argument. In fact, the two theses, the pedagogy of disaster and the exploitation of disasters for profit, are not mutually exclusive. The reason isn't that humanity needs to become wiser. The point is that the capitalist oligarchy has to be disarmed and neutralized. Depending on the context, in some cases, lobbies will prevail in the face of disasters. In others, people's pressure can impose life-saving solutions and changes against the wishes of these lobbies.